Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Here we go. The NFL and college basketball offered a lot this weekend. Andy Reid and the Chiefs dodged an ugly-looking bullet. Down 24 to nothing early at home in front of some nervous fans. Andy Reid, the Chiefs, tight end Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, the QB. Four TD passes in the second quarter alone, three of them to Kelsey. Andy Reid's steady hand leads one of the largest playoff comebacks in NFL history. 51-31 was the final in favor of the Chiefs over the Houston Texans, who did jump out to that 24 to nothing lead. That was the lock of the weekend from the David Glenn Show. Looked a little nervous there for a while, but did ultimately deliver in style. Derrick Henry and the Titans went to Baltimore and beat the Ravens. The 49ers, with Richard Sherman making the key interceptions off, uh, key interception off of Kirk Cousins in the third quarter of that game. It was 17 to 10 Niners. Sherman makes that interception in the third quarter in that single possession game. The 49ers defense took care of it from there. 27 to 10, the final over the Vikings. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers with Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones among the stars, skill players for Green Bay. 28-23 over a Seattle team that was game and just kept knocking and knocking and knocking with Russell Wilson leading the way before the Seahawks fell. 28-23 in Green Bay. Best and worst of the weekend from the NFL also included Lamar Jackson and the Ravens biting the dust. 14-2 in the regular season. Might get you the best record label or an MVP award if you're Lamar Jackson. It does get you home field advantage, but that's about it. You got to go out there and reprove it. And it was not just a loss. It was a dominating loss. Tennessee, 28, Baltimore, 12. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, worst of the weekend. Roy Williams and the Tar Heels, worst of the weekend. The 95-year-old streak is over. The 59-game winning streak in Chapel Hill over the Clemson Basketball Tigers is also over. Brad Brownell will join us live in 30 minutes. Former UNC Wilmington head basketball coach. Just led Clemson to one of its best seasons ever in 2018. 25 wins, third place in the ACC, Sweet 16 trip, etc. Uh, just finally ended the forever streak in Chapel Hill. They were jubilant in the Clemson locker room at the Smith Center. 1-800-849-2761. Alton in Cedar Grove wants up on best and worst of the weekend. Others want to talk about tonight's matchup. 14-0 Clemson against 14-0 LSU for the national championship. There is NFL caliber talent all over the field. And just as I mentioned, that Thaddeus Moss is a former state player, now LSU's star tight end. Quick reminder that Dabo Sweeney's Clemson Tigers often raid our state. So one of Clemson's, well, I think it's, he's their best offensive lineman, Sean Pollard, is from Pinecrest High School here in North Carolina. He was an all-ACC player for the Clemson Tigers. At safety, you have first-team all-ACC Tanner Muse, a fifth-year senior for Dabo. He's from South Point High School here in North Carolina. At defensive end, out of Shelby Crest High School here in our backyard, Justin Foster is a key player for the Clemson Tigers as they have to chase Heisman-winning quarterback Joe Burrow tonight. Foster was honorable mention All-ACC, so Dabo's pipeline to our state continues as he's on the ultimate stage this evening, seeking his third national title in the last four years. More on that matchup with more of your phone calls, 1-800-849-2761. Beyond Clemson over Carolina, Duke had a really good win. Not just the expected victory over Wake, but Trey Jones was reminded everybody that he's one of the best two-way players in the country. 
He should be first-team All-ACC if he keeps this up, along with, of course, star freshman big man Vernon Carey Jr. They didn't even need Carey that much to beat Wake. Trey Jones was brilliant offensively, 23 points and his usual distribution. Brandon Childress is a heck of a player for Wake Forest. He's a senior point guard, son of Randolph Childress, one of the assistants to Danny Manning in Winston-Salem. Trey Jones puts up 23 points, and against one of the Deacons' leading scorers, they weren't always head-to-head, but Trey Jones often was guarding Brandon Childress. When Brandon is on, he's an all-ACC caliber player now that he's a senior and has the experience to go with that talent. He might not make that, but he's that good of a player. On many nights, Wake Forest's best player. Trey Jones scores 23 and yields zero. Brandon Childress can put up 20 on you in a heartbeat. When you are that good offensively, which Trey Jones was not quite as good as as a freshman last year, and that good defensively, which we he apparently was, you know, coming out of the womb, he's always been great as a defensive point guard. That is a first-team All-ACC type performance in a game you knew Duke was going to win, but they're just whacking people. I mean, they are killing the ACC competition. 90-59, to 59, Duke over Wake, as Clemson's win in Chapel Hill stole many of the headlines. Virginia Tech beat State up in Blacksburg. Syracuse went to UVA and beat the Cavaliers. Louisville went to South Bend and beat Notre Dame. Baylor went to Allen Fieldhouse and won there for the first time ever over the number three Kansas Jayhawks. Auburn remained undefeated at 15-0. Shout-outs as well to Joe Dooley and ECU, Wes Miller and UNC Greensboro. They had nice victories this weekend as well. Alton is in Cedar Grove. Justin and Tommy and you can follow. Brad Brownell from the Clemson Tigers later this hour. We'll talk football and basketball. Alton, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. David, good to talk to you again. Thanks, man. Uh, my best of the weekend, I'm not a huge Aaron Rodgers guy, but sometimes you have to acknowledge greatness. The two passes he made to get them first downs uh, was the difference in that game because Russell Wilson had the Seahawks uh, roll. You're right. And uh, I felt like if they got their hands on the ball again, that they were going to win. And I so, think everybody uh, felt that way. Great. Yes. Well put. Um, worst of the weekend, uh, Bill O'Brien. Of uh, the Texans, uh, I've talked to you several times before. I'm a former coach, never coached at that level. But the thing I know about coaching, there's, there's three big things. One is being able, as owners say, to command the room. Another, the X's and O's, which is like the pregame stuff, scouting and all of that. And then the in-game decisions. that He made three of the worst in-game decisions over the last two weekends I've seen a professional coach making many years. I know the fake punt's going to be one of them. Well, you know, last week, you know, they're up three against a Buffalo team that really hasn't moved the ball against anybody a lot. They don't have a dynamic offense. You're at home and you decide to go for it, and then that left Buffalo with only having to kick a field goal rather than having to score a touchdown. They got away with that last week. The decision yesterday... I mean, you could have heard a pin drop in Arrowhead Stadium when they were up 21 to nothing. You got the ball fourth and one. I think it was on the 31. Uh, that's the chance to put the stake in the heart. And you decided to kick a field goal to the Chiefs. That was a win. And then it seemed like the going for the uh, the fake punt 
was actually dictated by O'Brien's first decision because after Kansas City scored so quickly, it looked almost like yeah. he panicked and figured, well, I've got to get this possession back. And and after that, it just snowballed. And I just, uh, you know, I'm never an advocate for, for coaches being fired, but if, if, Bill o, if, if Bill O'Brien gets fired the next few days, it wouldn't shock. I appreciate the call, Alton. I... I objected to the first and the third of your examples. I was not bothered when by the second one. When it was 21-0 uh, Texans over Chiefs in front of that shocked crowd, and I, I told you earlier the, the, uh, my favorite moment was Travis Kelsey, the Chiefs tight end, telling some of his teammates he didn't like their body language. Uh, Lamar Jackson lost the body language, lost the leadership battle. When early in that frustrating game that sent Baltimore home eventually, he was not reacting well visually. There are a lot of coaches will, who will talk about players in leadership positions, players in key positions. Even when things are going horribly, it is part of your job description to show the world that you are okay. It is human to be frustrated. If you're Lamar Jackson and somebody's dropping the ball or you're Lamar Jackson and they're not blocking well enough for you in pass protection or you're Lamar Jackson and you think you just took a cheap shot, it is human to be frustrated. But when your teammates, forget what the fans think, when your teammates see you barking at the officials or slamming your helmet when you go to the sideline, he is only a second-year player, but now he's 0-2 in the postseason. And whereas last year, he probably was not mature enough to help the Ravens beat the Chargers. He was not yet an elite NFL quarterback a year ago. He was an elite NFL quarterback through a 14-2 regular season this year. He's, he has earned the NFL MVP award, and that will become official soon. But as a young guy, remember, Lamar Jackson is still younger than LSU quarterback Joe Burrow, who will play at the college level tonight in the national championship game. Lamar is younger than Joe. The youth showed. The immaturity showed. You have to look like, even when all heck is breaking loose, you're fine. Because just as players look to their coach in moments of stress and adversity, did Andy Reid look like somebody who was panicking to you as most of the world would have panicked? Kansas City Chiefs fans were panicking. They were at home against a team they knew they were better than, and they were down 24 to nothing in a blink of an eye. Andy Reid showed no outward signs of stress. I'm sure his stomach was churning. I'm sure he's thinking, this is Murphy's Law. How is this happening? My punt returner fumbled at my inside my 10. I never get punts blocked. And not only was one blocked, but it was returned for a touchdown. What could have gone wrong did go wrong for the Chiefs early. But Patrick Mahomes didn't flinch. Neither did Andy Reid. Lamar Jackson flinched to a degree. And that hurts. But back to Bill O'Brien quickly, and then more of your calls. Justin has hockey on his mind. Tommy has more football on his mind. Up 21-0, I didn't mind the field goal. You're, you don't know how the rest of that game is going to go. You were inside the 20, I think, so it was more of a chip shot. And it was fourth and one. I don't want to give the Chiefs and those fans the possibility of momentum if they stop us on fourth and one. I was okay with that. So Alton's two points. The last week decision against the Bills, I see his point and I agree with him. And then the fake punt. If you forget the sequence, it went quickly from 24-0 Houston over the shocked Kansas City Chiefs. Shell-shocked. As much as you could be in the first quarter of a playoff game at home. 
It went from 24-0 after Bill O'Brien chose to kick that field goal to 24-7. And it's still the second quarter. And if I remember correctly, the Texans are on their own 31. You have to have an offensive fake punt call where your key decision maker knows the difference between I think I can get it and I'm almost certain I can get it. And I don't say certain because there just are few certainties in life or football. You almost never feel you're certain. But there's a difference between I think I can and I know I can. And you don't fake a punt from your own 31 against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid unless you're real. It was fourth and four, by the way. You got a little ways to go. You got to know the blocking scheme is right. You got to know what you studied on video against the punt, the, the punt return team of the Chiefs is going to give you something you think you're about to see. You got to know. They didn't know. He was tackled short. And that absolutely positively, I didn't feel a momentum shift when Bill O'Brien decided to kick the field goal to go up 24 to nothing. I, I still looked in that, those fans and saw, at those fans and saw shell shocked. What has happened looks. They, they were stunned, understandably so. The fake punt that gives Patrick Mahomes the ball at the Texans 35 down 24 to 7, rather than just kicking it away and making him try to go the length of the field, that contributed directly to another Chiefs touchdown. One of four Patrick Mahomes TD passes in the second quarter alone. That, I've never been a big Bill O'Brien guy. That you can add to the list of reasons that I'm, not, I'm still not a big o Bill O'Brien guy. Tommy, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. I'd have to say that uh, my worst of the weekend was definitely Bill O'Brien. Um, being up in that position is just the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I mean, you already got a blocked punt. You already got Tyreek Hill to right, fumble, right. and then you expect your special teams to get a first down. <laughs> it's like you have Deshaun Watson. If you're that confident, go out there with Deshaun or punt it back. But you know Mahomes is going to score touchdowns to get the crowd back into it. The it's Chiefs, the Chiefs needed a gift, and Bill O'Brien gave them a gift. Yep, absolutely. And uh, for my best of the weekend, I'm going to have to go with uh, John Lynch. Just seeing everything come to fruition from everything right. he's done. First-time GM, just incredible to watch those Niner guys play. Uh, you know, I think they're going to have a great shot at the Super Bowl. I'm with you. And you know what? Whereas we can point to Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and other Chiefs, you can point to mostly Derek, Derek Henry, some Ryan Tannehill with the Titans. You can point to Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, a couple of the pass rushers with the Packers story. San Francisco is different because if you're trying to just give out bouquets – like, how and why are we winning? It is more clear to me that the Chiefs' success starts with Patrick Mahomes and continues with Travis Kelsey, et cetera. It is more clear to me that the Packers' success, while different now, still starts with Aaron Rodgers. Better running game, better defense, better pass rush. That all matters, and that's why they're back in the NFC title game. And, and Derrick Henry of the Titans is just off the charts right now. Where do you start the San Francisco 49ers story? Jimmy Garoppolo is good, but he's not Patrick Mahomes. He didn't have Ryan Tannehill numbers this year. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's good. The 49ers running game is really good, but you don't want to you don't see any Derrick Henry type stories unfolding there. Their defense has Bosa at defensive end. Their offense has Kittle at tight end, but Richard Sherman made the game-breaking play last yesterday or, or this weekend. It's 
seven-point game, third quarter. Minnesota's driving, and Richard Sherman outsmarted Kirk Cousins and beat him to the punch on a slant pass. And then the defensively dominant San Francisco 49ers gave the Vikings little, if anything, the rest of the way. A 17-10 nail-biter in the third quarter, thanks to Richard Sherman veteran corner's interception, becomes 27-10 49ers, and, and San Francisco never looked back, and the Vikings never had a chance. You could list 10 different 49ers, and that's why I think your John Lynch example is a very good one. That's the guy. He's the architect of making the 49ers not only relevant, they get to host the NFC Championship game. They're a seven-point favorite over the Green Bay Packers this coming weekend. How many in our preseason vote, Darren Vaught, when we asked for Super Bowl picks way back in the preseason, we got over $1,000 worth of prizes at stake. How many people thought the 49ers were going to be one of the last four standing? I know a lot of people picked the Chiefs. I know some people picked the Packers. Yeah, not I as many of the Packers Titans. Picks. I don't think. I'm no, not sure. Maybe not a I one. I can't think of any that picked the <laughs> Titans. But I don't. I'll look it up. I mean, we got I think maybe maybe one or one entries. or two 49ers. I vaguely remember some people being a, a little bit higher on them. They're but not many. Yeah, no, no, their no, defense not. is even better than what we thought. Thought right. it would be good, but it's dominant good. Their offense is well-rounded, and Kittle is sort of the safety blanket whenever uh, Jimmy Garoppolo needs it. He is a difference maker at tight end, one of the best in that position, just like Travis Kelsey is that for the Chiefs of the AFC. That is That was a harder story to predict, and John Lynch has his fingerprints all over it. A well-placed best of the weekend. Brad Brownell, Clemson Basketball Tigers head coach, will drop by to discuss both the football Tigers game against LSU tonight, he and Dabo Sweeney are buddies, and the Basketball Tigers ending the 95-year-old streak of never beating the Tar Heels in Chapel Hill. It has finally happened. Brad Brownell was the architect of that victory and celebrated in style with his players afterward. Coach Brownell, formerly of UNC Wilmington, drops by in less than 15 minutes more of your best and worst of the weekend phone calls and more of my thoughts on the weekend that was and the big game tonight 30 million or more viewers are expected as 14 and 0 clemson takes on 14 and 0 lsu more on that matchup with more of your calls next on the david glenn show Jerome Robinson, are you a hugger or a handshake guy? H how does it work if Adam Silver is waiting for you? I really don't know. I, I hope it's not awkward. Um, <laughs> you know, I hope it's not like a hand to hug to hand kind of thing, but I don't know. I might just mess around and just hug him. No hands. I think he's so. a hugger. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Back to the David Glenn Show. Some scary news out of Chapel Hill coming out of what was just a horrible weekend on the court for the Tar Heels. Brad Brownell, Clemson basketball coach, drops by live shortly. We'll talk football, Dabo, Tigers versus LSU on the gridiron tonight in the national title game, but also the basketball Tigers ending the forever streak in Chapel Hill, 79-76, the win over the Tar Heels in overtime. Senior guard Brandon Robinson, according to a release put out moments ago by UNC, was in a two-car accident in Carborough around midnight on Saturday evening. Good news, Robinson was not seriously injured and was not 
issued any kind of citation. The driver of the other vehicle was charged with impaired driving DWI. Even though Robinson was not seriously injured, the release says it is unknown when he will be cleared to practice this week or to play. The Tar Heels return to action this coming Saturday with a game at Pitt. Robinson did score a career-high 27 points in that game this weekend against the Clemson Tigers. The Douglasville Georgia native is averaging a career-best 12 points per game this season. So good news that he's okay, but just the, the hits keep coming in a bad way for the Carolina basketball team. Brad Brownell on that story shortly. Justin in Elkin is next on best and worst of the weekend. We're getting mostly NFL and college basketball votes, good and bad. Justin is taking us elsewhere. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, DG. I appreciate you letting me change gears. Sure, man. Go ahead. Uh, so my best of the weekend has to do with the Canes. If it wasn't enough to have wonderful net minding and seeing Justin Williams as a, a healthy scratch again, right? Uh, I would have to say that Whaler's night was absolutely outstanding. Awesome. I uh, said My son was there with a bunch of his friends, and he said the same thing. Tell me about it. We, well, we didn't get to go, but oh, okay. we watched it on TV, and uh, John Forslund and Trip Tracy and the crew did it up right. They it did. It was great to hear Brass Bonanza back. Right. Uh, the storm surge was outstanding. How about but, uh, John Forslund's uh, whaler sweater from the from the Wayback Machine? What closet did he find that in? Right on, probably Goodwill. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, my worst of the weekend has to do a little bit with that. So the best of the weekend has to do with the, the Hurricanes recognizing and appreciating their history and i'm i'm personally a, a sucker for nostalgia and a, a sucker for history yeah but we were reminded once again this weekend that the nhl does not recognize uh the records of the world hockey association and uh, the hartford whalers slash carolina hurricanes were of course a part of it yeah Gordy Howe on their team and uh you know with all this turn to throwbacks and nostalgia or what's it going to take to get the nhl to recognize that again interesting i don't know the answer to that question that had to be decided long ago so unless there's a groundswell to change it it's unlikely to change i'll go back to your earlier point though there are a lot of nhl people i respect who if you ask them about the canes they will say man rod brindamore and tom dundon have changed the culture there and they'll say the Canes have more skill players than we remember ever seeing from Andre Svechnikov, Sebastian Ajo, Tevo Teravainen. It was Turbo to Nino on the game winner against the Kings in James Reimer's shutout this weekend. It was Marty Natchez, Lucas Walmark, Warren Fogle, three depth guys who scored as Peter Mrazek got the shutout against Arizona on Friday night it was. So back-to-back -back shutouts at PNC, five wins out of seven games in this homestand. And when those same NH NHL people I trust most, most praise the skill players, praise the head coach, Rod Brindamore, praise the depth, and I just mentioned a whole bunch of depth guys helping these two wins this weekend, they'll praise the defense led by all-star Dougie Hamilton, but two-way guy uh, like, like Jacob Slaving as well, and others. They'll praise the depth, et cetera. They'll say that their biggest reservation about the Canes is goaltending. And whereas some of the other contenders have a proven star in net, you know, Braden Holtby of the Capitals has a Stanley Cup championship ring. Uh, Tuka Rask in Boston uh, has been superb at times for the Bruins. Peter Morazic and James Reimer just don't have that 
combined reputation yet. And yet this weekend, they were off the charts fantastic. So maybe even one of the question marks about this year's Canes was turned around at least temporarily. If they can keep that up, there's no reason to believe the Canes can't be one of the top five or six teams in the NHL. The Lightning, the Capitals, the Bruins, the St. Louis Blues, last year's champions, they all have earned that top plateau in my eyes. The Canes are as good as anybody else I just didn't name. And that's uh, all the more promising if they keep getting this kind of play from Mrazek and Reimer in between the pipes. More of your phone calls later. Brad Brownell of Clemson on the other side. He's a good friend of Dabo Sweeney, so we'll talk some football. And he got drenched by his own players in the locker room in the Smith Center after ending the forever streak in Chapel Hill. Brad Brownell, formerly of the UNC Wilmington Seahawks, the Clemson Tigers basketball coach, joins us live next on the David Glenn Show. Roy Williams, welcome yeah. back to the David Glenn Show. Last year, two chains came walking by, and he reached his hand yeah. down and uh, shook my hand and said, two chains. And about five seconds after he walked away, I said, I missed a great opportunity. I should have said three rings. <laughs> Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Most of your votes today on the NFL playoffs. Most of the looking forward is on the college football national championship game. Also this weekend, history was made. Brad Brownell led the Clemson basketball Tigers to Chapel Hill and ended a 95-year-old streak that had been nothing but wins for the Tar Heels at the expense in Chapel Hill of the Clemson Basketball Tigers. Coach Brownell also knows that Dabo Sweeney guy well, so maybe we'll squeeze in some football. But we congratulate him best of the weekend style as we welcome him back. Happy New Year, Coach. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? Good to be with you, my man. Hope you're well. Doing very well and uh, stunned by what I saw at the Smith Center this weekend. I believe you have shared with us in the past. It's on your radar, this streak. You weren't around 95 years ago or through many of those 59 games. But nevertheless, even though you have bigger goals, it seemed like there was something special. Tell us about getting drenched in the locker room and all those hugs that went around because wherever it is on your list of goals, y'all did something special, it seemed, at the Smith Center this weekend. Yeah, no question about it. Um, you can see the emotion in our players' faces and my face after the win. It was very meaningful. Um, it, you know, we've talked in, in the past about how we don't, we don't make a big deal about it leading up to the week. We don't, we don't beat the drum of, of we got to end the streak or anything like that. We just try to get prepared and play well. And uh, to be honest, we didn't play very well the first half. Uh, I thought we had some good shots and, and really looked a little nervous and antsy and excited. And, and, uh, but we did hang in there and, and uh, kind of just kept battling. And that was kind of my message throughout the day that, it, that if we can just hang in there, we're going to make a couple threes back to back. And if you can do that, uh, momentum is going to change and we can put some game pressure on them and, and anything can happen. And the, the strategy wasn't to wait until to, to get down nine with two minutes to go, but uh, it just worked itself out. But I'm really proud of the way our players played the last couple minutes of regulation. And then I thought we played outstanding in overtime uh, to get the win. So certainly was a lot of fun. Uh, our guys celebrated big time the rest of that day. And, 
Uh, now we get to play the Dukies here tomorrow. So uh, <laughs> to, on to work and business at hand. Brad Brownell is joining us on the David Glenn Show. In 2018, he led the Tigers to one of the best seasons in school history, 25 wins, third in the ACC, a Sweet 16 trip. And, of course, this weekend they finally got it done in Chapel Hill. It's weird how timing can matter so much in life, Coach. I imagine if this win over the Tar Heels in Chapel Hill had happened in a different year or in a different place on the calendar, it would be front and center for all of Clemson athletics. I mean, again, not as your number one goal, but you've just gotten a lot of feedback from a lot of people who might, whatever, hate the Tar Heels or maybe they're tired of hearing the streak. Dabo and the boys are on national TV tonight with some business to attend to. Was there any like anything lost in the moment, given that your big win in Chapel Hill kind of crisscrosses with this big game in New Orleans tonight? You know, um, Yes, a little bit. If if they weren't playing in tonight's game, there, it would probably be talked about more on radio, and and we'd have people around campus to, to, to <laughs> come give us a hug or whatnot. But uh, the one cool thing was, you know what? All of our fans and a bunch of our fans were down in New Orleans, and they were all kind of watching the game together. Cool. In bars and hotels and and restaurants, and so we got all kinds of video from Ipte and and. Alumni Association and different groups of people that had hundreds of people watching the game together. So, you know, we saw the reaction of our fan base after the win. And for those people to kind of enjoy that game together amongst each other, uh, that was pretty cool. And obviously we, we got a bunch of texts and calls and uh, well wishes and all that. But, uh, you know, that pretty much has dissipated now. By Monday, it's time for football. I think even our, our team is, like, excited for our guys and, the football team to, to see if they can win their third national championship. How much crossover is there at Clemson between these football players and men's basketball players? I see athletes in various sports, you know, showing up at each other's games, et cetera. And of course, after you explain that, you have to tell us, did you give Dabo Sweeney any special plays or play calls for tonight's game against <laughs> LSU? Well, I can tell you, first of all, there's no special plays or play calls <laughs> from us. That's for, that's for doggone sure. They're, they're more than capable and, and going to play great tonight. Uh, but, no, there's a lot of crossover between coaches and players. And, I mean, this, the, the Clemson family is real. A lot of people talk about it. We live it here. It's just a unique culture. It's a unique place with, uh, you know, 20,000 students in a small college town, extremely small college town. We're, we're just around each other a lot. And, uh, you know, we enjoy spending time together. And, and uh, Clemson's such a fun place that, that, that the student-athletes really – have a great time together, get along, and, and uh, it's just a – it's really a cool place to go to school. It's an unbelievable place to live and work. So, um, yeah, we have a lot of interaction with not just the football coaches and football team, but but uh, a lot of folks in, in all parts of the campus. Clemson coach Brad Brownell joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach underscore Brownell. I get this question a lot, Coach, and I've gotten to know Dabo a little bit over a decade or so. You're around him a lot more often. How do you answer the question? of how a guy who had never even been a coordinator before goes from no-name wide receivers coach to essentially building one of the greatest dynasties in the history of ACC football. I mean, how many layers are there to that cake? Well, there's a lot. And, uh, I mean, he's a special guy. And, and, you know, one of the things that I'm always asked is he really liked that, what yeah. you see on TV. And that's that's who he is. It is. I mean, he is. He is that way. He's that enthusiastic. Um, he's a very bright guy. He's highly motivated. Um, you know, he's smart enough to know when he needs help, and then he hires good people. 
And so he went out and got guys like Chad Morris and Brent Venables and, uh, and really lets those guys work. Uh, but he's, he's the architect of the program. He, he points the compass of where they're trying to go. And, and he had a vision for this place. And uh, it's certainly, you know, one that I don't know if anybody believed it would be this, this level. Um, we all knew that maybe you could win another national championship, but to be playing in four out of five and to be going for his third is, is really remarkable. And recruiting rankings are still like, they keep getting better and better. And, and there's just a, there's a synergy here that, that you, you feel amongst the, 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 the other programs as well. Like you can, you can see it in their program and it's really uh, challenged all of us to try to be better. And, and uh, it's really helped our university, but uh, he's a remarkable coach and, and a, a tremendous leader. And that's, you know, he's an outstanding recruiter. He just and leader of people. And that's why he's done what he's done. Brad Brownell is joining us. He led UNC Wilmington to great heights here in our backyard. Also Wright State before taking the job at Clemson. He is now the 10th year head coach of the Tigers coming off, of course, that big win in Chapel Hill. You've been around athletics forever, so you know that every time there's a happy locker room, there's also a sad locker room. Uh, Roy Williams described himself as about as despondent as he's ever been. He, he just felt like he let his players down late in that game. Uh, can you share anything about either your quick handshake and the handshake line or, you know, the nature of your relationship with Coach Williams? Because you've been around long enough, man, that uh, it always feels good to win. But in some cases, those wins mean uh, really, low, really low lows for your opposition. Yeah. Well, it's really hard. Um you know, obviously they're going through a tough time right now. And, and uh, you know, as a coach, the worst thing you feel is when, when you've let your players down. And, I, I, yeah, I guess that's how Coach felt because of what he said. But, you know, I reminded some folks that, you know, he's won three national championships, you know, whatever. He's almost got 900 wins. I mean, what he's achieved in coaching is is remarkable. And, and uh, you know, but I think obviously he's very genuine and, and I think he's heartfelt when he says that he, he feels bad. And as a coach, that's the worst feeling is when you feel like you didn't help your players. Um, so that's, you know, that's something none of us like to see or, or feel. And we've all been there uh, at one time or another. We've all made a coaching decision or two that hasn't worked out. And obviously that's not what we're trying to do, but um, it's hard. And, uh, uh, you know, they're going to be fine and they're going to get back and, and, coaches is going to do a fantastic job uh, getting those guys back on track these are long seasons basketball is an incredibly long season uh, we all deal with all different kinds of adversity whether it's wins and losses tough calls you know luck or whatever that goes your way or against you injuries uh, it's just hard but uh, um, he certainly will, will have them humming again soon I'm sure some of your guys mentioned in the post game that whatever you saw on video showed that the Tar Heels had crumbled at times late in other games. What, what would, how would you describe two minutes to go? I don't know your winning pr probability chance when you're down double digits with two minutes to go. It can't possibly be very high, especially on the road. But f just watching from afar, it looked like you guys were still convinced you could win down 10, two minutes to go on the road. What, what were those huddles like, or what explains that attitude that your guys ended up saying, you know, was obviously central to ending up getting a, a victory in overtime? You know, it's, um, this, this team has been, has been good uh, in difficult situations a few times. We, 
you know, we played in the World University Games this summer and were able to win a gold medal, and, and we probably had four games that came down to the last minute where we either had to score or get a stop or, you know, make clutch free throws, or, you know, then get a stop, just different things that we had to do. And for whatever reason, some of it just being good fortune, uh, our team was able to do it. We won every game and ended up winning a gold medal. Um, you know, last year's team, we were unlucky as you could be. We didn't have any good luck. And Amir Sims' shot would not have gone in. Brandon Robinson's shot would have gone in. We probably yeah. would have lost the game. That happened to us about five or six times last year. We just felt like nothing good was going our way. This year's team, we've this is the second time we've been down in a situation like that, the other being at, uh, against Texas Christian, and we came back and won both games. And so I, I don't know if it's, you know, the players or what it is or if it's just this group, but there's a belief that this group has that they're going to keep playing and, I think that's the power of the three-point shot as well. I mean, it's you can you can make three threes in about 45 seconds, and, and momentum is completely turned. And so, um, everyone in, in college basketball knows that it's it's what makes it both great and also heartbreaking uh, for teams as well. But it's it's uh, something that we kept talking about in our huddles was, hey, all we need is hit a couple in a row, and we're going to be right back in it. So. Uh, give our kids credit for for trying to do that. Last thing for you, Coach, since you brought up Amir Sims, you've got a nice track record there at Clemson and your other stops as well of just player development, uh, maybe for lack of a better phrase. I would have described Amir last year as just like a nice ACC-level basketball player. You know, not elite, not bad, you know, eight points, five rebounds a game, a nice player. Uh, what has he done? What have you done collectively? Uh, right now, he looks like he's an all-ACC candidate, and that doesn't happen by accident. Well, I appreciate that. He's, uh, you know, he's a very hard worker, and he's a guy that, uh, you know, is getting more opportunity now. We lost four senior starters and some guys that were really options one, two, and three, and he was probably option four last year. And when those guys graduated, yeah. he became option one. And uh, so some of it's just opportunity and uh, making the most of that by being prepared and putting time in the gym. And, and we certainly have worked with him a lot on his skill development, his three-point shooting, his, his ball handling and passing and decision-making. And, and we run a lot of our offense through him. And so uh, we have a lot of faith and trust in what he's going to do. And, and uh, you know, I think some of it is just he's gaining experience and confidence uh, every week. And that, that is extremely helpful. Uh, but he's a hardworking young guy that has an unbelievable uh, personality. He's a great leader, and, and uh, we think he's got a chance to be a terrific player. Is it smart to stay out of the prediction business as a basketball coach? Are you going to give us a Dabo Sweeney gets the win tonight and offer us some? Oh, know, absolutely, man. What do you absolutely, got? we're getting the win tonight. Give, give me some details. Give me a breakdown or a score or well, some kind I, of style. Yeah, I think a couple things we got to do is, Travis Etienne needs a big game. We need to be able to keep their offense off the field, so we need to run the ball a little bit better than we did uh, against Ohio State. Um, I like the fact that Brent Venables has had two weeks to get ready for this, and uh, there aren't many better than him in terms of game planning and trying to figure some some things out. I'm sure we'll we'll come from various angles to put pressure on Joe Burrow and give them some different looks. But, <laughs> Look at uh, him go. <laughs> obviously, it'll be quarterback play. The quarterbacks and, yeah. and you know turnovers are usually – a huge factor in the game. If you, if you if you don't turn the ball over, you're going to have chances. Uh, but I love our chances having been in this environment and winning the kind of game that, that our team had to win against Ohio State. And for 
for uh, our quarterback to get knocked almost out of the game and then come back yeah. and play the way he did in the second half. He's uh, he's a remarkable young man. You've always been a versatile guy. I knew you would not let me down with your gridiron <laughs> analysis on National Championship Day. Hey, there congr- you go, brother. congratulations on the win. Thanks for squeezing us in after a busy weekend. Hope you get to enjoy the, the football game tonight. And, of course, uh, we'll see you battling those Duke Blue Devils here soon. Sounds good. Thanks, David. You got Appreciate it. Brad, it. Brad Brownell of the Clemson Tigers. On Twitter at Coach underscore Brownell. We do have time for a last call for phone calls. We do have time for a look forward. It's mostly Clemson LSU, duh, in your TV picks tonight. But it's your not it's not your only option. And keep in mind, rather than TV picks being, hey, here's option A, option B, option C from this sport or that. There are 15 different ways to take in Clemson LSU tonight. I've never seen this before. I'm sure it's happened. I'm not the most tech-savvy guy. I'll probably just tune into the made broadcast on ESPN, although I have been intrigued by the coaches' uh, studio where you're watching the game along with four college football head coaches. So I'll give you more of your options tonight. There's actually nine different dedicated channels that will carry the game. Six more options on the ESPN app. So it is about as exhaustive a broadcast as you could have, I guess, beyond the Super Bowl. Certainly anything I've ever seen in the history of college sports. It is expected to be a TV audience of 25, 30, 35 million tonight, given that it is 14-0 LSU against 14-0 Clemson. And there's all kinds of college superstars everywhere you look, all kinds of future NFL talent everywhere you look. Last Last call for phone calls. Final thoughts on the weekend that was and a huge day and night in sports this evening with your calls 1-800-849-2761 that's next on the david glenn show the head devil david cutcliffe you guys have a unique ability to to just do it right all the fans are always going to defend their programs and they should sometimes we all make somebody in another program mad or angry but you guys are very fair to everybody the david glenn show Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the stretch they come. Thanks to Clemson's best of the weekend basketball coach, Brad Brownell, for dropping by on some gridiron and hoops talk. Tony Barnhart live from New Orleans as Clemson and LSU take each other to task tonight for the national championship. Your TV options in the sports world tonight, of course, do include... The Carolina Hurricanes trip to face the Capitals in Washington, 7 o'clock sports, 7 o'clock start, rather. Our good friend John Forsland, Trip Tracy and company on the call for Fox Sports Carolinas in my part of the state. The Hornets are in Portland, also a TV option on the NBA side. But most sports have kind of cleared the platform for LSU versus Clemson. 25, 30, maybe 35 million viewers expected tonight. And you have nine channels to choose from you have 15 options i guess an enormous percentage of those who will be watching tigers versus tigers will take the main broadcast which is on espn if you like the coach's film room option which is my second favorite besides the standard herbie and friends espnu has the coach's film room tonight New Boston College coach Jeff Halfley, formerly of Ohio State, is among the guys in there. Gary Patterson of TCU, Derek Mason of Vanderbilt, Mike Gundy, Mr. Mullet from Oklahoma State. That's just one of your nine options channel-wise. 
The field pass option is on ESPN2. Our guest, Adam Amin, I guess Steve Levy has been with us as well, both play-by-play -play guys, they're roaming the sidelines of the Superdome in New Orleans tonight to call the game alongside Pat McAfee and Dan Orlovsky, along with a whole bunch of other guests, like while roaming the sidelines. If you want Clemson's radio voices with the main broadcast, you just go to the ACC network. If you want LSU's voices on their radio call on top of the main TV broadcast, you just go to the SEC network. If you like no broadcasters, you can go old school, and they're calling it Sounds of the Game on ESPN Classic. There's a command center on ESPN News. There's a data center on the Goal Line channel. Again, it all starts on ESPN proper, but more options than ever. Enjoy those games. We'll talk about them tomorrow, and we hope you're with us on The David Glenn Show. Mr. President Barack Obama, welcome to The David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.